Now, we would like to invite Dr. Matthew Matthews, Head of Social Lab and Principal Research Fellow at IPS, to deliver his presentation. Dr. Matthew, please. Thank you, Thank you Samantha. And on behalf of uh, OnePeople.sg and IPS, we warmly welcome you for this uh, conference. I do think it's, it's great that we are all able to be in person and be able to renew some of our ties with friends and those we have met. And really, this is a community leaders conference, so it's great that we can feel that sense of community together. To start off this morning, uh, my colleagues and I would like to present some findings that we have compiled based on some of our studies which are actually publicly available. Uh, and uh, we hope that some of this will, will get some uh, mind share among all of us here. Uh, thanks to Samantha and Melvin for helping put this together. I'll broadly cover some general societal trends on race relations. I mentioned the state of uh, issues like racism and discrimination, particularly in the local workplace, and examine some of the broader concerns, as well as what people feel are useful ways of, of recoursing or trying to deal with some of the issues, and finally provide some broad brief steps of what we can possibly do to build workplace harmony. I'll be drawing from a number of studies here uh, that IPS has been doing, uh, including a survey that OnePeople.sg and IPS have been working on for many years, uh, which is called the Indicators of Racial and Religious Harmony. The last iteration of that was done in 2019. Uh, we also complement this by a very recent survey we did in 2021, uh, end of 2021, which we put out just recently, which is uh, with Channel News Asia, the IPS uh, CNA survey on race relations, as well as another study that we did on making identity count in, in Singapore. Uh, the reason why we present some of these findings is that uh, they're based on very robust data collection methods which attempt to provide us a good sense of the proportions of how the general population thinks about some things, and uh, especially when it comes to issues to do with the workplace. Uh, the slides I'll be showing you have, have a lot of charts. Now, I do know that sometimes the charts will kind of get you, you just wonder where to look at. Just look at the top lines there, and uh, then you wonder, why do I still insist on in putting all the diagrams and charts? That's just to keep reminding us that uh, this is not just based on hearsay, uh, this is based on what we understand from a large proportion of Singaporeans and what we think would be representative of the Singapore population. So that helps us to contextualise some things in terms of proportions. Now, I'm not saying that if something is not believed or held on by the majority, it's not important. In fact, my colleagues uh, later on the second panel will help to dive in, especially my, my IPS colleague, will dive into some of the nuances of some of these issues. But yet, I think it's important for us to always think in terms of the broader and have some proportion of some of these issues. All right, let me just start off with some general societal trends. Um, when you think about how Singaporeans uh, view racial and religious harmony, when you pose that question, what's the level of racial and religious harmony? You notice that 97% of Singaporeans say we've got moderate or high levels of harmony. Now, of course, if from among minorities, you find a little bit of a nuance to this, and uh, slightly lower levels of minorities say it's very high. Uh, many of them, of course, will continue to say it is moderate at least. Uh, and and there, if you look at this is a study that we did in 2020, and we had a whole list of different institutions, and uh, whether it's the SAF, cleanliness, healthcare, different aspects of Singapore, important attributes, whether it's both in terms of institutions and the practices which are here. And we asked people of all these 24 areas, institutions, features of Singapore society, what do they think is very important, I mean, what, what gives them pride uh, in being Singaporean? 
Have you noticed that issues to do with racial equality, religious diversity and freedom wasn't the, the top part of the chart? And I think that, that speaks well. Uh, in that same survey, we also asked people, uh, when you look at values which are important for people who are coming to Singapore uh, to be able to really integrate in Singapore, what are some of those important values? And if you were able to see the screen, the first one is respect for law, and number two is tolerance, number three is multiracialism, number four is equality. So many of the principles that we talk about here today are things that Singaporeans by far feel that are extremely important. So that starts us out just knowing that we live in a society where we strongly believe the values of multiracialism and the importance of tolerance and diversity. Very recently in the CNAIPS study, we asked questions about a meritocracy. Now, we've been asking this question several years ago, and we revisited those. And, and Singaporeans still believe that you can do well in life. 80% feel that everyone can become wealthy or successful regardless of their race. And this is really consistent with what we found in 2016. But we do notice that among minorities in the last uh, few years, five years, when we make those comparisons between the data, we notice that there has been a slight drop. And uh, increasingly, we notice that more minorities. Now, the, the drop is not very big. It used to be something like 88% to 80%. Uh, and, and so it's gone down a little bit where minorities are increasingly questioning whether success is always possible. Uh, I mean, and, and race has nothing to do with it. I've tried to lay the broad features of race relations here in Singapore. Uh, there's definitely good levels of satisfaction here with our level of harmony. While minorities may not be as positive as Chinese when it comes to uh, race relations issues, uh, we still see a broad uh, I mean, proportion of both the majority, both the Chinese and those of other races who do believe in how well uh, race relations have played out and the importance of this within Singapore. Now, let me move on to talk a little bit about how race plays out in the workplace. And some of these trends might be of some interest to all of us today. But just to frame this, when people talk about uh, the notion of discrimination, which is what I'm going to talk about, discrimination and prejudice, uh, we often focus on public services, and people often, when we think about what happens in many other countries, whether it's in terms of how minorities are dealt with by the law, but the police, there are always questions about the level of discrimination. In many of these societies, you notice quite substantial amount of discrimination by public services. Uh, in Singapore, we notice that even among minorities, when we poll them in these large studies, at the, uh, the one with IPS on one people, where 4,000 Singaporeans were representatively uh, surveyed, we notice that less than 10% say that they feel that they are treated worse than other races. And this includes whether it's by the police, by educational institutions, by hospital services, by the courts. So by a whole range of institutions in Singapore, and that, that is very, very important. But yet when it comes to the workplace, I think there are a little bit more concern. We no notice that about a third of minorities would say that they feel that they're sometimes often or very often they feel that they're racially discriminated at the workplace. We've asked these questions in various ways to try to get a sense of the issues. And uh, uh, so we do know that, uh, I mean, some of these figures have stayed over the years. And so people continue to feel that uh, there, are, there are areas of racial discrimination, particularly among minorities. For, uh, minorities. Uh, we do also know that uh, when we ask people about applying for a job or getting a job promotion, among minorities, there are larger numbers who are concerned, it can go up to about 50% or 45% uh, of Indians and Malays who feel that trying to get a job or getting a, a job promotion, they might, they might feel that they have 
gone through, or at least some, some sense of discrimination in that process. Very recently, we kind of, we, we are trying to ask this question many, many ways just to get a sense of this and really know whether people, when people mention that they feel discriminated, what do they really mean? And so in the most uh, recent uh, iteration, we asked people in terms of when living in Singapore, because some people say, you know, maybe people feel discriminated because they live somewhere else. Okay, but so we asked very, very targetly, when living in Singapore, have you experienced uh, any of the following because of your race? And this has got to do with being, losing a job, losing out on a promotion, being paid less than your counterparts, losing out an opportunity in work. And in all these areas, we noticed that if you look at the broader population, just something under 10% who report this. Of course, if you drill down to how minorities feel about it, then you, of course, notice that among Malays and Indians, it's about 20-something percent who feel that they have lost out, uh, especially when it comes to a job because of their race. And that, of course, is something that we have to pay some attention to. So this brings us to the bigger issue. Uh, if we do see people say that they experience discrimination, is there some kind of prejudice which fuels that discrimination? So we go back to some of our surveys and we look at some of the data. Are there preferences that people have when it comes to hiring, for instance? Are there prejudices when people think about someone to be their boss or someone to run their business for them? So when we look back at one of our studies in 2019, we do notice when we ask people about how important are these features in terms of if someone is hired for their work. Uh, of course, ability is something that everybody says. 97% say yes, ability is what we care about. Education, 85%. But yet we notice that as many as just under half say that race is an important consideration. And I think that needs to be something that we are familiar with. We're still in a society where we do care about race to some extent and uh, and of course, if you look at the figures, among the Chinese, it's a little bit more important than the minorities in terms of hiring uh, based on considerations of race. We also asked this in the very recent CNAIPS survey. Uh, we asked people, I mean, how comfortable are you uh, with the following, or how acceptable it is uh, for you, I mean, for the following people based on their different racial backgrounds, so they're immigrants, I mean, or, or whether they're new Singaporeans or not, uh, to help you manage your business if you have one. And we notice again that there is some kind of preference. Uh, while it seems like uh, nearly everybody, 90 over percent, say they, they are happy having a Chinese person for this role, uh, only about 59 percent accept a Malay or 57 percent accept an Indian for such a position. Uh, but there's some, some uh, good news about this. We compared this finding to what we had a few years ago. We have shifted it substantially. So we have moved. The comfort level in 2016 was much lower. And so I think with all the efforts that have been done on the ground, I think more and more people are growing to accept different groups uh, being, I mean, responsible and able to manage uh, some kind of business. Uh, of course, among, uh, you'll see a differential when it looks at Chinese and and other respondents, with the Chinese uh, respondents feeling a little bit more concerned if a minority would take a particular job. In terms of other work-based re relationships, we noticed that re respondents were generally more wary or concerned if minorities or new citizens were their bosses. So a little bit more open if they are colleagues or subordinates, but maybe a little bit more guarded if someone who is a minority is their boss. Just how important is race then in terms of how people think about uh, choices? 
uh, in terms of workplace. Again, our studies seem to show that if you look at the chart there, you've got some items there which are race-related, then the orange and the others in blue, which are really the very, very general things, things like good relationship with colleagues, good career progression, financial security. All those things are important to about 70 or so percent. Uh, but then uh, about 40 percent or so talk about racial diversity and how important that is. Uh, minorities particularly feel that way, and they feel that it's important to work in a place where there is racial diversity. However, at the same time, uh, most minorities are not comfortable with being hired to meet a racial quota. We go back to one big issue, which is really about hiring practices. Do uh, uh, people concerned about hiring if somebody from another race I mean, is in the interview? It seems that nobody really is concerned about that. But other things that happen during the interview might be something that people are concerned about. So, for instance, being asked about whether you're very religious in an interview or being told that visible religious symbols cannot be displayed or worn in the workplace, you do notice that there is substantial concern by 3% or so who are concerned about that and even more when it comes to if you're a minority. Let me talk very quickly about some of the recourse mechanisms that people have in place to do this. We know that there is a strong belief that hiring should not be determined by race. Uh, even if people do use race as one of the metrics they, when they hire, in general, I think people do have a sense that race should not be a criteria uh, in terms of uh, whether someone is hired. So that's something that, that is shared by about six in 10. Uh, six in 10 who say that this is racist, unacceptable for an employer not to hire someone due to their race or their religious attire. But yet you have about 33% who would say that you know, it's sometimes acceptable, maybe perhaps considering the many nuances and the, where there might be reasonable exceptions. Uh, when we go on to, to look at some of the strategies that people have, uh, what about reporting uh, incidences of racism? Uh, we do notice that when it comes to workplace issues, people feel a sense of gravity about it and they feel that it's important to rate that uh, or to report those issues. Uh, the key driving factor for not reporting of workplace discrimination, of course, because quite a lot of people are not willing to do that, is improving the occurrence of such acts or events, which is very, very complicated and difficult to actually say, yeah, this is really something that happened because of my race or my religious background. And so that's what stops people from thinking about uh, trying to report it. Uh, in terms of what strategies people have, I mean, we ask that question, your colleague uh, has confided in you that he or she feels discriminated on the grounds of race in the workplace, what would you likely do? And we had a whole range of possible things to do. Uh, very assuringly, most people did not say that, tell the colleague to not complain and accept it as a fact of life. So I think we've come to that stage and we say this is not something just to, to sidestep or brush off. Uh, though about, uh, I mean, nearly 60% would say, well, explain to your colleague that other factors rather than a race led to this negative experience. It's good for us to interrogate and think about that response. And it obviously is something that quite a lot of people feel is acceptable. But you know, some may argue that that may be uh, very unsympathetic. It's worth thinking about and dialoguing about that. We asked people in terms of whether they would make reports, whether it's the tough app, 40% indicated uh, that they would make reports of such. and. Uh, we don't notice that, of course, among minorities, there were more concerns about some of these issues. Uh, generally, people do think about the value of speaking up about what goes on, especially racism in the workplace. Uh, 
Oh, half of respondents also indicated that they were likely to suggest limited avoidance and attempt some kind of mediation on behalf of aggrieved colleagues as a response strategy. So if someone were to tell you that they have been discriminated, 54% uh, say let's avoid that person. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and others would try to mediate that. So I think those are, are important considerations and things that people do. Very fortunately, we have very few people who would say, why not just migrate to another country or go and look for another job? I'm very glad there's less than 10%. So it does show that I think there is some kind of wisdom that is circulating within the workplace. Finally, or at least in this section, optimism prevails. If we ask people to think about what would it be like in five years' time, less than 10% feel that workplace discrimination based on race will worsen. Though a lot of people say it will stay at the current state, and I do believe many of us feel that the current state is not sufficient and we need to move forward. Let me just close with a few very, very quick thoughts, and I'll stop torturing you from looking at graphs. Let's see some pictures instead. And uh, there are many ways you can advance workplace harmony. We just put down uh, eight of them. And uh, right there somewhere is render legislation more robust. Yeah, legislation is an important thing, which many societies have tried to put out to deal with issues to do with discrimination. But there are many, many other things that we can do to help to, to work through that. Uh, I'll go through this very, very quickly. We have to learn to dialogue sensitively and effectively about these issues, uh, rather than immediately resorting to every issue is a police report. I'm sure the police will appreciate not being called for every single thing. But more so, it's about us being able to dialogue and talk about those things instead of always relying purely on some kind of strong law solution to issues. Number two, of course, the same token, we have to think about legislation and whether better protection for grief individuals is something that's important at this time and this hour. Uh, at least to make it very clear that our society does not stand for discrimination in the workplace. As individuals, as community, as corporates, we can take a stand, support a cause, make it very clear that uh, bigotry, racism, other forms of discrimination at work does not have any place within Singapore. And uh, OnePeople.sg has had great events trying to make that statement to the community at large over the last few years. Four, we have to guard against short-term gains, which can lead to long-term pains. There are some methods of countering racism, which have happened in, in recent years, uh, which have been influenced by how it's done sometimes in other parts of the world, which can cause unnecessary friction, which ultimately undermines the goal that we have. Not just addressing a specific issue, there is a need to preserve broader harmony between groups. And so, in some way, we have to think about ways we can be positive, Amidst insensitivity, and there have been people who have been, uh, who have had, be, be slighted, people have done wrong to them in the workplace, but they've learned how to demonstrate positivity and, and deal with it in a way which, which helps to build further harmony. And in the workplace context, and in Singapore in general, there's always the opportunity that we have to build new bonds, diversify our networks, be able to get to know people of other races, language groups, people who are new to Singapore, and build a kind of cohesion that very often comes through friendship. There's certainly a place for us to appreciate diversity, embrace inclu inclusivity, begin to have a kind of knowledge about how to deal with the different kind of sensitivities, the kind of training programs that would help to develop that, and ultimately cultivate a kind of cultural literacy, which would improve and would allow us to be able to negotiate in this space when we have many of us from very different backgrounds. 
I've come to the end of my presentation. I do believe that the panel after me will provide a lot more colour to some of these figures. Thank you very much.